I've always considered myself a romantic. But am I just embodying the male stereotype of the 80s and 90s rom-coms I grew up watching? In last week's episode, I told you a story about one of my grand romantic gestures, and I let you be the judge. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go back and listen so that this episode makes sense. Today, I'm going to talk with my friend Rob Montague, and I'm going to get his take on this whole thing. Rob is a filmmaker and one of my favorite people to talk with. He's very passionate. And during this episode, Rob does use some strong language when giving his perspective on the topic. So if you have little kids around or if by chance we have really young listeners, you may want to sit this one out. Also, make sure and tune in next week for the female perspective of this whole thing from someone you've become very familiar with on the podcast, Corey Burse. Lastly, and most importantly, after reading the feedback and the emails I've gotten from all of you who've emailed in at 7msfeedback at gmail.com, Rob and I were talking and agree that this topic warrants a much larger dedicated conversation. So next season, we're going to be getting a group of diverse women together for like a long form panel discussion. We're going to hand them the microphones and let them take over the conversation of how 80s and 90s rom-coms impacted their lives. And I think this is just a great example of how a seven-minute story can blossom into a larger conversation that can't be contained within seven minutes. So I look forward to featuring this bonus episode in season three. For now, here's my chat with Rob. So you heard the story, and yes. I, I, I appreciate it. You said that you liked it. But straight up, after hearing it, was I, I wasn't a creep, was I? At the end of the day, I think it really comes down to consent. It's like she gave consent that she was interested. So she gave you like the signal that like, you know, oh, you're cute or whatever. So yeah, right. that's good. But I think it crosses a line and gets creepy when someone is not into it, clearly. This has been happening for a long time. Sure. The pursuit of the other. Is that, would you say that to be true? Yeah. And it's been in literature for a long time. And, okay. and, and you know, I believe that like- you know, it's been embedded in culture, not just pop culture, but forever. I mean, Romeo and Juliet is a it's a tragedy, but it's a romantic story. And he pursues her and, you know, like creeps around her window at night, <laughs> you know, like and stuff like that. But there she's into it. It really comes down to in the 80s and 90s, something happened. So were the 80s and 90s movies and television harmful in how they portrayed the pursuit of love that we're talking about? I personally think they were. I don't think they all were, but I think that they were. I think that there was a lot of storytelling done without responsibility. And I think that that's, that's not censorship or self-censorship. That's just what kind of world do you want to live in by putting this art out? Because art influences the environment. So give me an example of that. Like when you say there was a lot of movies that, um, that did it. Um, 16 Candles is probably the most talked about and the worst. Um, as far as like sending bad messages, <laughs> like, I mean, there's the scene where the, where Anthony Michael Hall's character and the, uh, the love interest of Molly Ringwald, her, the, her object of affection are having a conversation at the party late at night after, after everybody's like kind of gone. And he makes a suggestion that, cause he wants to know who Molly Ringwald is. He's trading information first of all. So there's like, there's an objectifying thing. It's treating women like a thing. Like you notice in movies where a man professes his love to a woman and they say, you're the best thing that ever happened to mm, me. Mm. The best thing. 
Like they're a MacGuffin. Like they're the fucking <laughs> Holy Grail in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and not a freaking human being. You know, and that's, I think, the biggest problem is like, you know, they're bartering for Molly Ringwald. That's number one. And the second part of that, and I know that there's people are going to be listening to this. If I don't mention it, they're going to be like, why didn't he mention that? And the number two is his current girlfriend, he offers to Anthony Michael's character. She's upstairs, passed out in the bedroom. Have your way with her in 16 candles. Not to mention there's a whole lot of other racist stuff in that movie and everything. That's problematic for now. But like that is a message that no matter what time that's told in, it's fucking horrible. Like, and I have to use strong words like that. That's fucking horrible. And these are movies that we looked up to. There's a you lot know, of and and we're supposedly the voice of a generation in the 1980s. You know, and in the in the 90s, these movies. Cameron Crowe was that in the 90s. You know, say anything with the boombox and you know the, Lloyd Dobler and it's you've been critical it, of that movie. Well, I mean, I have personal reasons for being critical with that movie because, I mean, I was kind of that guy. Like, I was this person. <laughs> Me too. That's like, right. that's the thing. And and then, you know, as I've kind of grown up and, like, read things and read books and, you know, talked to people and gotten different perspectives and being a filmmaker, you know, sort of, like, opens up a lot of intellectual conversations with people. It opens that door, right? So it's like that door got open for me a few years ago when I was having a conversation with one of my friends and I was just like, man, you know, I got I love John Hughes writing and I loved his movies, but I got problems with the way he deals with women in those movies. I'm mm. like, he just, he's not kind to them. And if you think about all the movies that we, the intake of that is latchkey kids, particularly you and me, how we started the whole. Yeah. We don't have premise. parents around to explain to us or teachers. Like that's the other thing. Like, you know, entertainment has changed and I think it reached, hypercritical mass in the 1980s and 90s. And I think as this generation of, like you said, latchkey kids that we were left home alone and the teacher, the teacher and the the babysitter was sort of the TV, you know, it was, it was, you know, the thing that told us about the world. I think there's a clear distinction between the pop culture of the 1980s and the 90s and everything else. And that is literally capitalism. Like no joke. Like, if you think about like books, like we were talking about like Romeo and Juliet, you know, or any old literature or even old like TV shows and stuff, like it was an aspect of it because you had a thing that you had to sell, you know, like even when they were selling books, but like, this is seriously like they're marketing a life to us. And in the 1980s, it became everything. It was in commercials. Like, you know, there were beer commercials that like showed if you drink Budweiser, you know, you're going to get girls and wear sunglasses and be on the beach. That's all that really was in those rom-coms. It's just an extension of that. It's just marketing. A lot of the heroes in those stories weren't really heroes. They didn't go through anything. They just pined after a woman, went through some mild discomfort and then got her. Like, so it taught dudes that like, hey, if I'm like this girl and I'm sad about it, if I do some grand gesture or something, I deserve her. She is supposed to bow to me and become mine then. And that, that there's a statement right there, become mine. No one owns anyone. <laughs> like, And that's this happily ever after mentality is like such ownership. A good example of a modern film that's like this, and it's being talked about a lot right now, is Licorice Pizza. Um, and there's a, there's like a wonderkind character that just, he can do no wrong. Like he makes no mistakes. He always gets what he wants. And I think that that's like 
a lot of the characters that we grew up on were Ferris Bueller's a good example of that. Like smarmy white kid who can get whatever the hell he wants. Just because you want somebody does not mean you deserve them. Like I, I speak from personal experience. Like, like this shit was toxic. It was toxic to a lot of us. I think that like, had we had adults around to that had time, because nothing against our parents. Like they did not have the time. We lived in the 1980s were a culture of go, 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 go. Bye, 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 bye. Like just, you know, outdo the neighbor. You know, they're keeping up with the Joneses or whatever. You know, that was the 1980s and the 90s. And like we got all, all of us kids that were left at home, like kind of had to figure out these shit, this shit for ourselves. We didn't have an ad- adult to explain what was wrong about that or why you know, a joke was funny that was like off color, which even so now I'm like, this stuff did, I, that shouldn't have been funny then. And I don't think it deserves defending. Like, listen, this is not a new idea, but like in the 1980s and the 90s, like we became a product. Humans became a product more than ever. The oil barons did what? They raped the land for oil and continue to do it. The second they found it, they knew what it was worth. They knew what it was capable of. They still, to this day, creating technologies like fracking and things, they will poison the earth for that money. And in the 1980s and 90s, humans became the oil. We did. And now we're being decimated, just like the land, and we don't even realize it. Seven Minute Stories is created and performed by Aaron Calafato. Audio production by Ken Went. You can connect with Ken or inquire about his audio production services at kenwent.com. That's kenwendt.com. Original artwork by Pete Whitehead. Find out more about Pete's work at petewhitehead.com. Special thanks to our partners at Evergreen Podcasts. And lastly, I'm Corey Burse. Make sure to tune in next week for another story. <laughs>